Runner Nation, what is up? Welcome back to another Ridge Runners Live episode. Tonight we sat down with Caleb Bowen and Whitney Richmond. These two won the inaugural Rim to River 100 Miler this past weekend at West Virginia's first 100 Miler. We are super excited to learn about these two and hear how the race played out for them. You don't want to miss this episode, so sit back and relax. We are back with another live show. Uh, YouTube was down temporarily. It's now back up. Wesley assures me everything is fine. And I am so stoked that it is because we are just so excited to have our two guests on tonight. They won the inaugural Rinder River 100, West Virginia's first 100 mile. Because it was the inaugural race, obviously they are now both the course record holders of the Rinder River 100. Ooh. We are so stoked to have them on tonight. Whitney Richmond and Caleb Bowen, welcome to the show, everybody. How's it going? Hi. Hey, it's going well. It's going really well. That's really great to hear. And if you don't know, my name is Cam Wrench. I am the sixth man of Ridge Runner Nation. Here tonight hosting along with Wesley Harton, the Pat McAfee of Ultra Running. Wesley, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. I'm glad to see you kind of back and awake and you're not really sleeping in my Kia Soul at <laughs> aid stations and whatnot, doing trying to do social media posts. So it's good to see you back out here uh, doing your thing, Cam. I want to start things off with uh, just the typical question, how we always get things going. What's everyone drinking tonight? Uh, Whitney, we can start with you. Well, I was drinking rosé wine, but I'm onto the water now as my uh, kids go to bed early and I got to get up early. So I'm trying to taper off, but it was the rosé. All right. And Caleb, what are you uh, drinking tonight? So I have a uh, Free Folk Flying Squirrel IPA or Spruce Tips Pale Ale. From Free Folk in Fayetteville. Yeah, and fun fact, that was uh, the brewery that we did not go to because when we had the 20 minutes to go try to grab something local, they were still closed. Oh, uh, no. Yeah, and we ended up going to, I forget the name of the other one, Wesley will know it because he has one. Bridge uh, Yes, basically, yes. Um, they, uh, the guy there who was a very nice guy, made small talk with me about being from Ohio. Uh, totally took me as like an equal in terms of knowing about craft beers along with him. And uh, I am not that. So we ended up getting some things that I was not prepared to pay what they cost. Um, and then I left them in Wesley's Kia Soul when he dropped me off. Oh. So, so I've got all of them. It's yeah, great. I was going to say, now he's enjoying those. So I'll, I've got the uh, Bridge Brew Works Tunny Barley Wine. It's uh, eight, 11.8%. So let's see. Wow. This thing is just awesome. So uh, this is really up my game last week from the middle of the light I was drinking, drinking this. But I, I did try to keep a little on the down low because I'm drinking half of it out of a red solo cup. So got to just stay on brand with uh, everything going on here. Cam, what are you drinking tonight? So I have a um, Ohio beer. Y'all will be excited to know that it's not a Jackios for once. This is a platform brewing uh, Haze Jude IPA. Mm -hmm. All right. And so before we uh, kick things off tonight, we want to remind everybody that you can find our show on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all those places. Uh, we are also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, there is a great story tab about our experience filming at the Rim to River 100 that does include pictures of me sleeping in the passenger seat of Leslie's Kia Soul. Uh, we also have a Strava Club as well. Our handle on all of those things is Ridge Runners with just the one N. Um, and now we know we said that we were going to talk about the race at Rinder River, but let's start a little more simply for a little more simply, excuse me, for our listeners who may not know our guests tonight. How do y'all find trail and ultra running? Uh, Whitney, if you would like to lead us off, please. Um, how do I find it? Well, I got bored with marathons basically. Um, and I, I think I were in Boston in 2010 and I um, was like, okay, great. What's next. And then I was living in Chicago and I just Googled stuff and I found the Ice Age 50K and I was like, okay. So I just did it and I loved it. And I, uh, yeah, then I started doing more trails and here I am. All right, awesome. And then uh, what about you, Caleb? So actually kind of similar. Uh, my first marathon was back in 2016 and I qualified for Boston that year. And uh, that January, I was actually invited to a med school prom, which is, I'm not in med school, but I had a friend who needed a date and I just went with them. And uh, I actually ran into somebody who became my crew chief uh, this weekend. Uh, his name is Daniel Crow. 
we started talking about running and he actually ran a 50k that morning and he ran with my dad so we started talking and he actually convinced me to sign up for my first ultra which was a uh, 40 mile race in davis west virginia and ever since then like i've been hooked to the trails i mean i still do road running i love it but the trails are really fun as well awesome and so with that said, then let's uh, start sort of like our rim to river 100 base questions. Why did y'all decide to uh, run this race, especially with everything going on in the world right now? You know, there was a lot of questions about like, are races even still happening? Like what's going on? What are all these restrictions? Um, Whitney, if you want to lead us off. Um, well, basically it scared me. So I decided I should <laughs> do it. <laughs> um, I am pretty much like a road, um, like rail trail type runner. I did Yeti 100. I actually had to drop due to medical type of issues. But um, after that, I was like, okay, I'm, I had signed up for Rim to River and I wasn't sure if I was really going to do it. And then I was like, okay, we're definitely doing this. Um, so I told my coach and he got me basically a month worth of real training and for Rim to River. And I just looked at it as a big adventure and it's like, we're, I don't know. I just want to go and see what I can do and have fun was the, the main goal. But um, I'm so glad I did. It was awesome. That's, that's great to hear. And what about you, Caleb? Uh, so back in February, like I saw it post as like the West Virginia's first hundred miler. And we always wondered why there wasn't one in West Virginia. Cause there's so many good trails around, you know, throughout the state. So that was, one, that was really the biggest reason why I signed up. And then, you know, I had a full, like, summer scheduled of, like, different races. They kept dropping, kept dropping, kept dropping. So when I saw this one didn't, I was like, well, I have to do it because there's, like, there's nothing left. And, you know, I decided to continue on, and we ended up doing it. Awesome. And so, uh, Whitney, you mentioned just a second ago that your coach gave you about a month of real training, um, yeah. but you had also done marathons in the past, uh, Boston qualifier, all of those things, right? What did that sort of month of real training look like in terms of its difference from what, um, like what your regular training was? Well, so I was trained up for a hundred. I did a, like a one, 103 FKT in, um, June and I did, and then I was trained up for Yeti 100 mm -hmm. in September. So I had the like the mileage and the training, but I didn't, I live in Richmond. We don't have very much elevation opportunities and we definitely don't have technical. Um, and so I basically did more, we do like weight vest training, um, like strength stuff. And then I basically ran up and down hills for two or three hours um, after long run days. And that's pretty much it. I mean, I got a good like four weeks in of that kind of stuff, but um, I didn't, I, because I have little kids, I can't really get, like, we live say an hour and a half from Charlottesville and there's a ton of mountain stuff out there, but I just can't really get to it. So, um, I basically just tried to, I think I did like one actual like real trail run, um, of like 20 miles or something. And other than that, I just, I don't know, crossed my fingers and <laughs> it mostly worked out. Not the like eight or nine times I fell, it didn't work out, but <laughs> Other than that, it did. Yeah, and I mean, only falling eight or nine times, right? I've never run a hundred, but you know, it seems like I fall like probably once I trail run, just in general, you know. So I don't well, think look, that's that bad of a ratio. I actually, I actually fell on the road too. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, that bad. Like I was like running right before mile. It was like mile eighty, right before you do that big long downhill mm -hmm. on the road. I'm like, yes, fun of the road. I won't fall. And I literally stepped onto the road and tripped and fell into like a full like shoulder roll situation. I'm like, yeah, okay. I, I think I cursed a few times maybe. Yeah. So I look like I've gotten a fight. But I got home and my husband's like, oh my God, what happened to you? I'm all bruised and scraped and, but nothing's broken. So that's good. Yeah, it's always great news when you can finish a race, even if you look like that, but nothing's broken. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah. And then, so, um, what about you, Caleb? Um, we know, uh, maybe our listeners don't, but we know that you're in a you're an assistant coach at Marshall University. Mm -hmm. um, what was your training looking like going into that? And how does that sort of, like, mesh with, like, you know, do you ever train with, like, the team there, right? Like, are you giving them, like, totally different workouts from you? You know, what's that sort of situation yeah, so let's go back to February. Um, you know, track season was just ending, and then whenever we came, like, got into March, 
uh, that's when COVID pretty much started and we got shut down pretty early in March. So I decided just to go off on a rampage and just seeing how many times I can run 100 miles in a week just for fun. Uh, I did a lot in college and I just wanted to see if I could still do it. So I got about like 12 weeks of good like hard training in that spring up until about June. And I kind of burned myself out by that point. So June and July was pretty low key. And then uh, really, so I started, like I was training uh, Holly Ann who actually ran in the race as well. And we were trying to do some different stuff, trying to get her ready for some 50Ks. And, you know, so we started doing some trail runs during that time. And then once those 50Ks got uh, canceled, you know, I'd try to get her to run like a sub 17 5K. So we started training for that. And I would just hop in her workouts. Really wasn't doing a whole lot of like, I would say 100 mile training, but we were doing some pretty good stuff and then adding in some, some good long runs on the trails. And then when she decided to run this race, you know, we kind of transitioned more into, all right, let's get on the beach fork trails and get some technical work in. Um, and, you know, the highest like long run I got was probably 25. So nothing crazy, like nothing more like out of the normal, you know, what I would do for a 50K for or a marathon. But I think it ended up preparing me pretty well, having that base underneath and having some of the VO2 work that we did with like throughout the time I was trying to get the sub 17 5K. So... Yeah, like I try to run with the like the guys and the girls on the team, but a lot of times, like you know, for workouts, I do I don't do very good coaching whenever I'm running with them because I can't handle doing so many things all at once. So I like just to sit back and you know have the timer, have somebody else write because I can't write and time at the same time, um, and just go like that rather than trying to run with them. So, but yeah, like recovery runs and stuff, I try to run with them a good bit. Okay, and that's so that's a good little bit of insight for somebody like me who was like never involved in cross country or anything like that in any way. Um, the coaching aspect of it always seemed a little bit strange to me because like I know workouts have to be written, right? But, like, mm-hmm. You know, like um, <clears throat> like what actually then happens like on the race day or like you know on workout day, right? Do you just like kind of hang out? But you know, that's uh, that's always interesting to hear. Yeah, and it so, depends on the workout, really. Because mm-hmm. if it's a very like complicated workout, you want to be involved and you're reminding them throughout the workout what they're trying to do and what they're trying to accomplish. You know, so I try to rate pace ranges for each kid on the team, and uh, sometimes you figure out that they can't hit that pace range. So you got you have to do some quick math and tell them, all right, it's easy. Let's just refocus. Let's try to get your breath and then try to shoot for a different goal, or you know, depend. Or if it could be the opposite, if they're crushing a workout, sometimes letting them. Either you have to decide whether you can hold them back or let them rip, and it just depends what time of the year, what time of the season you're trying to, or what you're trying to accomplish with the workout. So it's very, it's it's fun. It's like a it's like a puzzle with each workout, trying to see if everything works. All right, and so um, <clears throat> we talked during our show with Brian about some of the different things that we'd be doing at like aid stations and at the race in general because of COVID, right? Um, and it seemed like everybody was pretty good about pulling their buffs up or putting on a mask uh, out of their pack while we were out there on the race course. But because of all the COVID restrictions, either of y'all approach this race differently specifically because of that. Um, was there any extra planning that went into this race that you wouldn't have done in a normal year? Uh, what was going on? Uh, Whitney, if you want to take this one to start again. Um, well, actually, I, starting on, I think it was like two, so, back up. So my husband was actually out of town for 10 days before the race. Um, and he was like getting COVID tested. He had to go film a commercial in New York City, which he was very nervous about. And he had a COVID test like two, every two or three days. So Tuesday before the race, I started getting sinus issues. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> so I kind of freaked out a little. And I um, went and got a test. And it was negative. I always get a sinus infection this time of year. So I was pretty confident it was just that. But I mean, normally, of course, I wouldn't be like, freaking out as much. Um, and I felt better by race day, which was great. Um, but as far as like planning, I mean, I get, I brought two friends with one crewed me the whole time in one pace. I don't think I would normally, I wouldn't bring anybody like a bigger group in general. Um, I'm, and I definitely had the, the mask and pulled it up during the race and things like that. But, um, I mean, I always care. I'm used to carrying hand sanitizer in my pack now and just using it like every time I leave an aid station. But other than that, I didn't really, I mean, I didn't really run um, near very many people. And I just kind of, uh, yeah, no, it didn't really, it, I mean, 
I think we're all kind of at this point, we're kind of used to, it's almost become like innate and like if you run at all with people and I, I only run with people really once a week, I coach the marathon training group in Richmond and um, we had maybe like eight people in our group, normally of like 30. And so we've been doing a lot of these kind of same precautions. So I was just used to kind of innately just wearing the mask, pulling it up, pulling it down, you know, like, and using hand sanitizer. So, no, I think they did a fabulous job with their, um, like, precautions and everything. They did, they did great, and they made all the runners feel comfortable. Awesome. And what about you, Caleb? Um, so I had a similar situation beforehand. <laughs> like, where I'm a coach, like, we get tested, like, three times a week mm-hmm. beforehand. And I was just, like, waiting. You know, I, I've been negative all season. And then, like, the week before, something's going to happen. So I was very stressed out beforehand. But I, on Friday, got that last negative. I'm like, all right, we're good. You know, it's, you know, as long as I don't have a fever, whenever I get to the, uh, get to the check-in, I guess we're good. But as for like things that that changed, I wouldn't think anything really changed because I mean, you, I typically wear a gator anyway during you know, ultra runs like this any, anyway. Um, I guess the wave start, you know, with since my dad was running as well, he was in wave three. Um, we as like I, talking to the crew, we had to really prepare for that. You know, where the overlap was going to be. If I was going to be at one aid station, he was going to be at another. How we were going to figure that out. But other than that, I don't think it really affected me too much. Yeah, no, it's great to hear that everyone was kind of doing their part. Obviously, we were out there and kind of seeing it all unfold before our eyes. Uh, Whitney, I'm super interested now in doing the deep dive of the race. So take us through kind of the whole day. You show up at the pack of pickup. You get there on race day. Uh, just take us through everything that kind of went on through it, like a deep dive. Oh, deep dive. Okay. Um, let's see. I started off the race with half of my hydration pack was wet because it was leaking everywhere. <laughs> and my crew, like three minutes ago, they're trying to like, they're like, you should use mine. I'm like, no, I sh-. like, I've never used it. I shouldn't. So I just, it was fine. But um, the first, I don't know, like 13 miles before that water crossing. Um, I don't know. It was, it was good. It was runnable. I felt good. Um, I felt really good running that flat stretch right before, I think it's Conrad Aid Station, um, mile 26. And then when we got to that road climb, I'm, I feel like I, got, I have some really good climbing legs. Um, so I felt really strong on that section. I think I only fell once in the first 26 miles. But then the next like to mile 55, I fell like five more times. <laughs> and I remember at one point we went to, I think it's, I don't think it's called Long Point. It's or is it Long Point? Mm-hmm. Lookout Point? Long Point. One of those. Long Point is the one with the view of the bridge. Yes, thank you. Okay. We went to Long Point and we were coming back. And I just remember after we hit that aid station, I got really lightheaded. And um, it did get kind of warm out there. It was like maybe high 70s, which is, you're used to it when you're running in the summer. But when you haven't barely been running it, it you get, you know, it can really get to you sometimes. Um, so I kind of was, I never was like, Oh, I've like fallen over, but kind of like weaving a little, you know? So I, um, thank goodness I'd gotten some Oreo cookies from the girls at the <laughs> aid station. So the, those helped. Um, but I remember I, I like f- tripped my toe on something and I went flying and I like hit my hip and I just was like, I said a very bad word. <laughs> I was like, really? Five times? <laughs> I just yelled out loud. Um, so we went down, I'm trying to remember the course, went down to that, um, the gorge part where it goes under the bridge and um, up the other side. And I, I felt really good at mile like 45, 50. I actually saw your friend slash training partner, Holly Ann, mm-hmm. um, and she was having her knee problem. And I, I, I slowed down and was trying to like, I'm like, do you want Tylenol? I have, um, my crew has ibuprofen gel that sometimes I rub on my legs and I'm like, go ask them for that. And she was kind of, she looked at me like, leave me alone. I'm in the pain cave. Don't talk to me type of thing. Yeah. I'm like, I get it. Okay. Bye. Um, so I got to mile 55 and I came in, I felt really good. And um, then I probably spent like five to seven minutes there, get, you know, changing shoes. And I remember my crew was like, do you want to change your socks? Like, no, I don't want to look at my feet because then it'll make things real when I see what's happening on my feet. So just shoes done. And so I got what I needed and um, 
went back out and went up, got, went to Fayette and then was going up the hill and it was starting to get dark. And I'm hiking slash power walking up that climb and I'm going and going and I'm like, I'm like, where's the turn? And I keep going and then I'm turning around. There's a runner behind me. I'm like, are we going too far? And the guy's like, I think so. I don't know. We're following you. I'm like, don't follow me. I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> so it turns out we figured out we were too far. We we're like a mile and a half past the turn. So we had to run back down the hill. And the whole time we're looking for the turn and we can't. And finally we saw a headlamp coming out. So I, we go up and the headlamp turned out to me and my friend. I used to live in Chicago. And it was my friend who I haven't seen in like nine years since, I, or no, five years since I lived there. So I gave him a little hug and it's like a wave. And um, then, but then it was like mile 65, but I was three miles behind and I'm looking at my watch and I'm doing that thing where I'm like, I should be here, but I'm not. And I was just getting like, you know, that like mad, everything like starts to suck type of feeling. Ugh. So I basically had a pity party for like 20 miles, got turned around one, one more time, but not, not bad. Went down what I call them the stairs of death. I don't know what you referred to them as, but that section, um, right when you're going to Kmore Myers trail, where it's like at night where it's you're 70 miles into a race and your quads are a little wobbly. Sure. And, yeah. Um, and I went, that was when I was heading to that road section where I tripped on my face and fell or tripped and fell on my face. And um, I remember I had put a, like a Reese's cup in my pack and I tripped, went flying and I was stood up and started running again. And then like a mile later, I was like, yes, Reese's cup. And I went to feel it and it wasn't there. And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm so mad. So in the process, I lost like a Reese's cup, a one of my favorite gloves. I lost my mask somehow. I don't know how. Um, yeah, I don't know. I lost so many things. Um, I was like, I felt bad. Cause like somebody's going to be like, who's littering all over the trail. Um, I didn't mean to, I just couldn't see it in the leaves. So got to 82 and picked up my pacer and she was great just for company. I mean, I, she asked me, she said, do you want me to come with you? And I'm like, Yes, I want you to come. I've been looking forward to you coming with me. Please come with me. So she came with me and we were just chatting. I got a little dizzy and lightheaded a few times and had to like eat some candy and whatever. Hit a speech, awesome aid station. The guys there were hilarious. They had fires going and pizza and that was great. So I was like, yeah, just go up the climb and then just a little bit more until you're the finish. Okay, great. So I thought we didn't have to go across that water crossing again. And I was like, oh, yeah, we're already, like, we don't have to go across water crossing. They're like, yeah, no. And they told me I didn't. So then we get to the water crossing. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so I try not to fall over. I basically just, like, waited halfway through because I didn't trust myself to balance on rocks at that point, um, which was a little refreshing for my feet anyway. So it wasn't that big of a deal. But we went up that climb there. And I don't know if this happened to you, Caleb, but we missed a turn at mile 90 and we ended up on the crew access road. Oh no. Yeah. I went, we went another like three miles off course. Like I, so we were running on the crew access road and then Bryant, the race director found us in his truck and told us we were on the wrong road. And I was like, are you kidding me? I'm so mad. Um, and I yelled glow sticks at him. <laughs> I feel bad for it. Cause I was like glow sticks. <laughs> and I apologize <laughs> later, but he, put us back in the right direction. And, um, and then we figured out where to go. So I, but when I hit a hundred miles, we were right before the contra Rin aid station. <laughs> and I was like, I hit a hundred. Can I finish now? And they just laughed at me. And I was like, mm. <laughs> so I ended up doing probably almost one Oh six, but it's just bonus, I guess. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I really felt great about my, my race. And I think the last, 30, 35, I really wish I could have, like, I don't, I just didn't have the confidence to run more on the trail at night with all the leaves and stuff. Cause I'd fallen so many times I, and I was kind of like already a little wobbly. So I wish, I guess Bryant said that you get a free entry if you win. So if I go back, I'm definitely doing more um, trail practice, shall we say at night during the day, I was great. I mean, I fell a few times, but other than that, I felt good, but at night, I sucked. <laughs> so yeah, it was good. I mean, 
I haven't really done a, a real trail 100 before. I've done a, like eight or nine 100s, but not like something like really on trails and you know elevation and stuff. So I felt pretty good about it, except for getting lost and falling. But it comes yeah. with the territory, mm -hmm. I guess, right? A little bit. And so, you know, just to sort of like maybe reframe, right? You say you got lost. I think you got free miles. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Let's be honest, those are miles you paid a race entry fee, I assume, to get in this. Next year, you yes. won't have to. But yeah, you didn't pay for those extra That's true. Three, it brings four the miles. Cost, cost per mile decreased as yes. the miles went up, right? So, yes, that's <laughs> exactly. a good way to look at it. Yeah. All right. And so um, you mentioned sort of going over things, right? Uh, the long <laughs> point where the incredible view of the New River Gorge Bridge is at, yeah. and also the Ace Beach Aid Station. What was your favorite view on the course? And then what was also your favorite aid station? Favorite view? Um, well, I didn't, unfortunately, I didn't really look around as much as I should have. After the race, we went back to Concho Room Aid Station and went and saw the view. And that was an amazing view. I just didn't see it during the race. So there's that. Um, my favorite aid station was, that's hard. They were all so awesome. Like the, the aid stations, the people that were working at them, they seemed like they had been doing it for like 10 years. They were professional, they were friendly, they were positive, they were helpful, they were on top of it. Like, I mean, granted when I was there, there weren't a ton of runners at once, so they could help me right away, but they were just like, everything was like a well-oiled machine. I was very impressed. Um, but maybe a speech just because it was like, the guys were just so funny and the fires were there. I didn't stay for the fire, but they encouraged me to. It's like, don't tell me that. <laughs> We've got like 10 miles to go. See, and I remember telling them, because they were lighting some of those fires and we got to that aid station to film, yeah. um, that it was like, you're going to make it hard for people to leave because yes. it's going to get a lot colder. It, it was also much colder down by the river. Um, mm -hmm. When you drop down there, it was like 10 degrees colder than up, like, you know, on the other side of the mountain or whatever. And yeah, so I mean, it was tempting to yeah stand there and get warm for a little bit. Yeah, all right. And so with that said, you've mentioned um, a couple of like the climbs too. What was the uh, hardest climb on the course? Um, I would say probably, well, for me personally, the hardest climb was probably the one where I went too far and went another mile and a half up the climb. <laughs> So, but then I had got to run down it, but I don't, I don't mind climbing that much. I, I actually kind of enjoy it. I'm, I, I love hiking. I'm a real, like, like I'm go after it. I'm, so I didn't, I didn't mind that that much. Um, even at the end, I didn't mind the climbing. All right. And so you also mentioned um, the section leading down to the Kmore Miners Trail, which I will point out, I almost fell on um, running down them pretty fresh. <laughs> You know, maybe a little sleep deprived. It was kind of getting towards the afternoon when we went down it, but it was not easy for me with uh, fresh legs. What do you think was sort of like the most fun section of the course? Oh, fun section. Um, I guess, I mean, the well, I liked that the water crossing part, the first water, time you crossed the water and then you went up, it was a little bit of a technical section up. Um, I liked that section, that was fun. But also for me, like running with my pacer, she's my friend, like that was the, you know, the fun part because I was with her and we were chatting and having a good time. Um, yeah, I don't know. And I really, well, I also really liked the section after um, when we were doing the out and back and I started passing the runners coming the other direction because I could cheer other people on and say hi and stuff. So that was fun too. All right, and then so um, one last one to kind of wrap up your recap a little bit here. What was the moment where you felt the most joy out there on the course? Oh, the most joy. I mean, oh, I know. After we had gotten lost like three times, when we found a flag, every time we saw a flag and we knew we were going the right way, we cheered and we were very excited. So that was the most joy. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, that deep dive was really comprehensive and we really enjoyed that. Uh, Caleb, let's hear your story. I know it's going to be somewhat similar, but obviously you're going to have a little different story to tell. So I'm super interested now to kind of hear your full deep dive. Yeah, actually it's really similar. So like the first, uh, 
first 14, I really just chilled out. You know, me and Holly Ann ran for most of that together uh, up until we crossed the creek. And then she uh, she was like kind of like hitting her ankle on rock. So she told me to go on. And so we started, I, we had gotten passed by uh, Daryl, who I think finished fourth. I think he was somewhere in there. And so I ran, I caught up to him and was talking to him and found he actually ran for Marshall for a year. So that was pretty fun getting to meet somebody who has some connection. And then, uh, then all of a sudden she caught back to us, which surprised me. And so we started rolling pretty good uh, clip up to Thurmond. And then from Thurmond on, I really wanted to put a gap on everybody just to, I, I don't like running in a group at all, especially on trails because I get self-conscious about people judging me like if i fall i don't want anybody to see i just want to just you know yell the f word and just get on going um i don't want anybody to see any of that so i just took off from thurmond since it's a road section um and then once i got onto that brookside uh or is like south side brooklyn trail it's really flat so from there to cunard you know i was able to run pretty fast and then once i got to cunard you know i kind of I talked to our crew chief. He told me what I needed to do. So then I really hammered the uh, that hill from Cunard up to the top at Kmore. And then at Kmore, uh, I saw a bald eagle. So that was really cool. <laughs> Definitely the coolest part of the whole, the whole course was that bald eagle. Um, and then just, I felt really good. You know, I didn't expect to feel that good you know, after the marathon point. But I was just rolling. And then I got to the Kmore Miners Trail. And I probably should have run up it. That was that was probably a bad decision because I felt a little twinge in my hip flexor whenever I did that. Um, way too steep. But once I got to the top, I actually saw my mom, and that was cool seeing her. Uh, then I started the Arrowhead Trail, which I really did not like. The Arrowhead just seemed like it went forever. Like Yes, thank you. May, maybe <laughs> it's just the fact of what mile is it, it was. I don't know. It's just I did not like it. And I actually almost got ran over by a, a mountain biker. So I was kind of like in a – not bad mood, but just kind of sour. So once I got to the uh, next aid station, the Arrowhead aid station, I was just very happy to be done with that section. And then let's see, next the next part is Long Point, which is really cool. Um, at that point, the right before we're going into Long Point Trail, uh, I saw Holly Ann's husband, Chris, and he's like, she's only 15 minutes behind. So then I was like, oh, great. I'm going to get beat by her. That's good. Uh, well, I guess I'll just start running as fast as possible. If I die, I die. So I started, I took off again and then, uh, felt really good except for coming off of like when you, the really steep part before you get onto the road section, the Fayette station part, those rocks beat me up so bad. Like I nailed my toe probably 15 times and I was very happy to get to the road once we got through that. Um, and then I started hitting a wall probably it was on the Hawks Nest connector trail. That was probably the one of the lowest parts for me because I, I was kind of I'd never seen that part of the course before, and it was really like tight and skinny. And I, I thought it was going to be an easy part of the of the race, and it wasn't. So then I started getting kind of down, and once I got to the bottom of like the Anstead part, that was a steeper hill than I thought it was going to be. So I just started thinking negatively, and I kind of got in like in a bad groove. But finally got to fifty five, uh, found my like my crew and everything. And I made the mistake of sitting down. I did. I should not have sat down because I really did not want to get back up. <laughs> and I started questioning if I could even like finish because I felt really rough. But a uh, good thing I had a pacer there. Um, well, he's my former runner who uh, he's a two-time all-conference guy. And he's actually getting into trail running now. So he, he really helped me get started running again. And I, I, once we got to the bottom of that rail trail, I started to feel like myself again. And we just kept running and kept running, and he convinced me not to walk. Uh, and then once we got to Fayette Station again, like that downhill beat me up pretty bad. But once we got to the Fayette Station, I had made a mistake of drinking too much coffee and eating too many gummy bears, and I got kind of sick. So starting going up the hill, I really didn't want to start again, kind of that same like cycle. But once I started running, it started feeling better, and... Then we got in a really good groove, and I just wanted to get as far as possible in the daylight. So I made it all the way to 70 miles, like probably like 71 or 72 miles in the daylight. So we were on that airhead section, and we're, it was kind of cool passing everybody. Like I was able to pass my dad, pass the several runners I know, 
And then uh, once we got to the Arrowhead Aid Station, I was kind of like dead set, like, I'm going to finish this thing no matter what. You know, we're just going to have to keep moving, keep running. Don't stop if I have to, just keep going. Um, and then, let's see. So, so we switched pacers at Kennard, or Kennard, however you say it. And from then on, it was just like, just trying to get to the finish line. Um, we did make one wrong turn. Um, it was right after uh, the Ace Beach section. Actually, right after I, like, said goodbye to you you guys we were going and all of a sudden you're supposed to take a right turn that goes to the creek uh we just kept going straight we made it to thurmond and we figured out real quick that that was not right so it, it only added like a mile which isn't that big of a deal but uh once we got back on course it, it was like i'd walk for a little bit then i'd run for a little bit walk for a little bit run for a little bit um and then once we got the concho I was I was feeling pretty good at that point. Just I just uh, I just wanted to finish at that point and uh, kind of soak it all in. So we we saw Bryant right at the edge of the woods, and I asked him, I was like, "How far is the second place?" If you don't mind me asking, and he said something like two hours or something like that. And I was like, "Okay, cool." So we walked for a little bit, and we we're just talking, and we get to the top of the hill, and we hear cheering, and I start freaking out. Like second place is right there, so we start. I like Alex. We're finishing this damn race. We're going. So we ran the rest of the way. And then we, whenever I finished, I asked him, I was like, where's second place? And he's like, I told you, two hours. Like, I was like, oh, geez. Well, they, why did everybody cheer for no reason? <laughs> they saw your headlamp. Apparently, that must be it. You, my, 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 uh, my crew person, one of my crew person said she could see the headlamps, like she's standing at the finish, and she could see yeah. them kind of like snaking down. So they probably saw you from all the way up there. That's probably it. Well, it got me running, so I guess it worked out. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. As someone who was at the finish, I will say that that's exactly what happened. Oh, well, there okay. you go. <laughs> yeah. Cool, um, cool. People could see headlamps coming in, uh, and it was kind of that sort of like trend all over the course. I remember because um, we did not have a vehicle that was able to get down to the East Beach aid station. I ran down to the aid station. Um, on like that dirt road and they saw yeah, my right. headlamp and started cheering and I had to be like no please don't like I am not in leading this race but so with that said Caleb you mentioned um, at one point during the race you heard Holly Ann was only 15 minutes back and you're like mm -hmm. well I might as well hammer now you know and if I die I die how do you sort of not only mentally, but also like physically handle something like that. Because every time I try to make a move like that in a race, I just always die. Uh, well, uh, not having experience, like I didn't know what was going to happen. So this was truly a test of how far could I go. Uh, so it really, I didn't have anything looming. You know, I didn't have that exper bad experience that said, don't do that. Um, so yeah, I guess stupidity, you know, that probably plays a role in it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just went on a limb and tried to redline it as much as I could. All right. Well, that's good to hear. Maybe I can just start working on the, the general <laughs> fitness then and that'll solve those problems. No, no, but, yeah. Um, yeah. And so kind of some of the similar questions that we gave to uh, Whitney, uh, what was your favorite aid station on the course? And then what was your favorite view? That's a good question because like each aid station had something really cool about them that you want to say is your favorite. Like I would say Long Point had the coldest water and that that was awesome at that point because it was really hot during that time. Um, I would say Fayette Station having the cold brew was definitely like, it made it awesome. Um, but probably my favorite was Ace Beach. Um, you guys were just so, like all the guys there were really cool. You guys were cool. Um, is like late in the race where you just want to be done. So it, you know, having those fires, even though it was just like a very small thing, it made so much big of a deal. Cause like at that point I was starting to get cold and just seeing those fires just like uplifted me so much. So yeah, I'd probably say Ace Beach. Um, Concho would be like a close second because they told me they would save a beer for me. And then at 7 a.m. they actually gave it to me whenever I came back. <laughs> so they, they remembered, and that was pretty cool. And so um, what was your favorite view? I know you mentioned the bald eagle earlier. And that's probably my favorite view. Like right on top of it, like in mm -hmm. Kmore, there's this part where it opens up and there's this weird like invasive plant on the trees. 
and there's just a beautiful view of like the gorge and there's this like i don't know what you call it mine funnel shaft thing i don't know but it goes all the way from the top to the bottom that's probably my favorite view because i just don't want it to be cliche and say long point but it was like unexpected and like oh wow that's really pretty type deal um so i would say that one yeah all right and so um then for you what was the most fun section of the race most fun i I don't know like 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 she said like running with your pacer is always fun because it you're running by yourself it's so tiresome and you're always in your head just thinking so i would say the the brooklyn uh south side trail with my pacer yeah, because we were able to talk. He told me uh, that Marshall won the football game during that time, and then we had a new president. So, like, I got to learn a lot of stuff that happened throughout the I day. I found that um, out at mile 55. I ran into the aid station, and they, yeah. they were like, what do you need? And it was like, what happened to the election? <laughs> I'm like, okay, great. Yeah. It's really like, funny. Oh, okay. So, yeah, probably that section. Okay. And so on the topic of presidential news, Wesley and I found out um, driving around at like, I want to say three or yeah. 4 a.m., looking for a place that was open where we could get coffee. And there was a, a newsstand that had the newspaper in it that said Biden wins. And we found out and I was like, I found out who won the president from a newspaper? What year is this? Oh, exactly. <laughs> but yeah. And so, um, Caleb, you mentioned that you saw, if I... Uh, understood you correctly, leaving the woods to head back towards uh, the finish line where you kind of go back through mm-hmm. Ace's property, that Brian was there and he told you that second was two hours back and they walked some of that. But didn't you think that was the worst final four miles of any race ever? Because I heard yes. that a lot from other runners. Oh yeah. And it felt like it's five miles. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it's five miles. And just that hill alone, like I, I try to do like a fartlek style where I'd run and walk, run and walk. That was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Like, it shouldn't have been, but it was. Like, I don't know. It took a lot of, like, strength to muster up to get up to that. Yeah, no, that was that was definitely the worst part of the course. <laughs> All right. And so um, this will be kind of our last question on your deep dive here, but it's the same thing as we asked Whitney. What was your moment where you felt the most joy when you were out there on the course? Hmm. Probably when like when my dad and Holly Ann finished, like that was really cool. Just being at the finish line, watching them, you know, because you you know how you felt at that point whenever they cross the fin- like when you cross the finish line. So it's just like really special to be a part of that, you know, be a part of the first West Virginia hundred miler, our first hundred milers, like being like having everybody together for that was really really special. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's just such a special weekend. Like I kind of been saying, like history is made this past weekend at the inaugural Rim to River 100. It's going to be talked about for generations to come. And we're super kind of excited to kind of can see this race grow and grow into, I mean, it's already something really special, but I just, and who knows what this could be in a couple of years. So it's just awesome yeah. to kind of see. Uh, Max Gavazzi's in the chat and he wants to know what was everyone's favorite aspect of the locally sponsored aid stations? Was there like any special foods or decorations that made it super memorable? And uh, Whitten, you can start us off with this one. Um, they did. Well, they had somebody made pepperoni rolls. That's a West Virginia thing, I guess. I didn't mm-hmm. eat them. I don't even, I don't like pepperoni, but they looked good. Um, so, and then what was uh, Long Point aid station? They had, um, Christmas lights, like for like, I don't know, around the fence or something leading into the aid station at night. It was A, super pretty, B, very helpful because then you could just find your little way with the lights leading you. Um, Yeah, I don't remember any other specific foods. I mean, they all had the usual mashed potatoes and ramen and stuff like that. Um, Yeah, I can't think of anything else. Yeah, I mean, one person who did eat a ton of pizza rolls at the day station was our good host over here, Cam. <laughs> he ate a couple, uh, couple of those, I think. So, yeah, I, I had a few. <laughs> they they were offered to me. I got I told if, if they were just like, um, like sauce and cheese, I probably would have mm-hmm. done it. But the pepperoni, just like, I was like, no. Yeah, definitely. And so that was at Faith Station, and I ran part of the way up that hill to run some runners in after a few of those, and that was uh. Not an ideal choice, honestly. No, not at all. 
we're glad you put in the work out there, Cam. Uh, Caleb, what about you? Kind of answering that same question. Uh, so I did, I did not venture out to try the pepperoni rolls. I did not think that'd be a good idea. But uh, the I would, the cold, cold brew at Fayette Station was a locally owned uh, coffee shop in Fayetteville. Uh, I forgot what they're called at the moment. But they were, I mean, I had stopped by a couple weeks ago and he told me he was working at Aid Station. So it was really cool seeing him again. Um, but yeah, like she's like, they're all pretty normal. Uh, I think the coolest part was probably the fires at Ace Beach. Um, and then like the Concho uh, Aid Station, just having that overlook kind of made that one pretty special as well. But yeah, I mean, they were all pretty normal, um, but each had their like own little like local flavor to it. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, Josh Keck is in the chat, and he actually said that he had <laughs> a pepper, a pepperoni roll. Bad decision. <laughs> and he said he had no saliva. It was stuck in his mouth like cement. Uh, so that was a... Uh, we made a good decision, and he made a bad yeah. decision. <laughs> yes. Uh, Nathan also let us know that it's Rangefinder Coffee. Rangefinder Coffee that's was it. the that's one it. at... Uh, yep. Super awesome coffee for everyone out there. So, uh, Kim, I think you had another question. Um, yeah, but I do want to lead off by saying, Josh, I affirm your decision to eat those pepperoni rolls. If I was racing this weekend, I for sure would have, whether it is to the benefit or the detriment of my race, I plan on having quite a few next year uh, when they put this race on and I'm back there to run it. Uh, I remember being told at Fayette Station, I forget the Lauren's name, sadly, but uh, she made like all the pepperoni rolls. And the number that was quoted to me was 24 dozen, which seems almost obscene. Um, I wonder I don't if know. they were all eaten. Yeah. Well, you ate half of them. <laughs> I don't know, roughly. Um, but yeah. And so uh, with that said, Caleb, you mentioned going back out onto the course. And we remember hearing, because uh, we went back out to um, Canard after you came into the finish there. And we mm-hmm. left John at the finish line to film more finishers. We remember hearing that you were out on the course almost immediately afterwards, um, or at the very least in my like sort of sleep deprived brain, it felt like it was immediate. Um, when did you go back out on the course and what sort of uh, influenced that decision to go back out right after finishing? Uh, so it was probably about 20 minutes, eh, 20, 30 minutes after I finished. Um, like, so Holly Ann's husband, Chris told us that like she, she gave her him a time that she was coming in at a country station so we at least checked our watches and we had like 40 minutes to go. So we just packed up and, you know, went down there and we, I really wanted to stay for my dad as well, but he ended up not getting to aid station until 5 a.m. in the morning. So I was there probably until 3, 15, 3.30 ish. Uh, after I finished around, I don't know, midnight, 12.30, something like that. Uh, but yeah, we, I just really wanted to support Holly and, and my dad if I could. So, you know, we were there and we were at Concho uh, whenever they came through to cheer them on to get them to a finish. Daniel Green is in the chat and he informed us that uh, Caleb went straight to the Coors Light after finishing the race. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> so I, mean, I, did, I did take it home, though. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I want to kind of like dive a little deeper into that. Obviously, having your dad and Holly Ann out there running the race was probably super special. Talk about like what the impact what went into kind of planning everyone's arrival at different aid stations, just kind of like how big that moment and how like special it was to kind of have everyone there at that race. Well, it's really cool because like we were, so she's originally from Alabama. So her parents came up, uh, my parents, came, like my mom came up as well. And then we, we just bought a, we got an Airbnb that fit 12 people. So we were able to fit all of our crew and pacers in there. And it was like a big family moment on Friday night. Like we had a big dinner where we, uh, I cooked uh, baked potatoes and Holly Ann cooked the rice and I cooked ch- chicken and like, which is pretty much the most bland meal you can have, which is supposed to be good. Um, and you know, we, we were all planning out what we were supposed to be doing and what the crew was supposed to be doing. And it was just, I don't know, just having everybody all together makes it really, really special to be. Um, I don't know about the other two, but like being able to finish my first hundred mile race with them was the coolest thing ever. Um, so, and like, I'll tell you this. So I, I coach Holly and she's, I say training partner, coach, best friend. We're, we're all three. Um, she did not tell me what her goal was and I knew it was because that she wanted to race 
and we were competitors at that point. So I knew like if I ever let up, she was going to be right behind me. They were trying to pass me. So I knew like whenever I finished the race, I was like, all right, well now I'm coach Caleb. Now I'm best friend Caleb, not competitor Caleb. So I went back on the course, try to, you know, cheer her on. And I know she, she had a really bad uh, knee injury that really hurt. And she had to power hike for like 48 miles of the, the last 48 miles of race. And then my dad ended up, he was dealing with uh, some issues where he could not see for most of the latter part of the race. So being able to see them overcome those obstacles to still finish was really cool. You know, uh, our pacer, our crew chief, Daniel, who also paced my dad uh, for the last 18. And he was literally like you know, showing him the way to the finish line because like, he could not see the big uh, inflatable at the end. Did he have that, uh, what is, I forget what it's called, that um, thing where Courtney, like, he, yes. Yeah, what well, Courtney DeWalter had. Like, yes. It's just yes. from lack of electrolytes and mm-hmm. from sweating so much. Oh, yeah. He And he gained it pretty quickly. Like we got back home and he was able to see within couple hours did he know but, when that happened like when it was happening did he know that's what was happening to him actually yeah because we talked about it the night before just jokingly like oh talking about what what stuff happens during ultra uh-huh. races and we didn't think it actually happened but it did well that's good that he wasn't just like oh that's it my race is over yeah it's pretty awesome yeah, yeah. he persevered yeah mm-hmm. and so on that topic that actually happened to me once as a pacer um, really? which is a very strange thing to have happen to you as a pacer, because I didn't feel as though I could complain about it. <laughs> um, but so with that said, um, Whitney, take us through sort of, um, the impact you mentioned, you only had one pacer and one crew member. Take us through like the impact of the, um, those two people specifically on your race and then sort of everything that went on after the race. Um, well, they, I mean, I was going to come by myself and they just offered to come with me. I, um, know them through the marathon training program that I do. And they're just like, we'll come I'm like, uh, okay, great. Cause my husband couldn't, he was going to come, but then he had to go to this work thing. So he couldn't come. And, um, so I, yeah, we just, uh, hopped in the car and came out and they were amazing. I mean, I don't, I'm not a very, like, I'm pretty self-sufficient runner. I have very minimal amount of stuff. I make bags that have like um, aid station numbers on them. And then they can just like hand me the like Ziploc bag with the stuff in it that I need. And I'm pretty like, okay, I need this, this, and this. I might forget something when I get to them, but my one friend, Crystal, who was the main crew person, she's just like, okay. She's like listing off things. And I was in and out probably in like three to four minutes, each aid station. Um, My pacer, we... Um, had never actually, I've run with her through marathon training, but I never really like run one-on-one with her. Um, and she was just like offered to come and run with me. She was like, okay, great. I'll take it. I, um, and so we, I apologized to her cause I thought I would be running more of the last mm-hmm. 20. I, I usually am running more of the last 20 and I was just not, I was just, so I kept apologizing to her. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm like, she's like, shut up. Um, so I, but they, she kept me, my mind kind of just like focused on getting to the next spot. Um, I always tell people, I told somebody this during the race, <clears throat> he was kept talking about the finish and we were like 35 miles from the finish. This is the guy who I got lost with. And I said, don't think about the finish line until you're five miles away. Like, you can't think about it until you're five miles away. He's like, oh, yeah, that's really good advice. So she, she said something about the finish. And I was like, no, stop. I was like, you can't talk about the finish. And like, I'll tell you when we can talk about the finish. If it's not now. And so, um, but she kept me like focused. And she would try to like, she would start running a little bit. And I was like, I'm like, you're trying to give me a run, aren't you? <laughs> I get mad at her. She's like, I'm just seeing what you're doing. I'm just seeing if you come with me. Um, but they really, I mean, I, I could have done it alone, but I couldn't have done it as well. I wouldn't have finished as fast and I, I wouldn't have had as much fun. That's for sure. Um, and so afterwards they were great. They were great. They just like took everything off of me. And like, my husband is, he's like, Hey, okay. And like, he helped, he's very helpful. He's a great crew person, but they do this themselves and they do it a lot. So they kind of were like this little pit crew and they just were like cars warmed up blah, 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 blah. And I was like, at the point when I finished, I was ready to actually like, I was starting to get a little 
my head was fuzzy and I could have probably passed out and fallen over. They're like, we need to put you in the car. And they like literally just like took me and like stuck me in the car, turned the heat seater on, just like got me um, back to the hotel. Cause I was not in really good shape to just be like standing around chatting. Um, but yeah, they, they were fantastic. I, um, I would pay them to come and help me again. I know they would never let me pay them, but <laughs> I did offer to pay for, I was like, you guys need to pick a race and I'll pay for it. So I'm like trying to, I'm like, yeah, you should do this again for me. <laughs> but actually one of the girl who paced me is doing a, um, she's going to do her own hundred miler in my neighborhood. She's going to do like 10, 10 mile loops in my neighborhood in two weeks. So I'm super excited about that because now I can help her run with her and maybe set up a table or something and be a little crew situation. So I'm excited about helping her and repaying the favor. Will there be pepperoni rolls at your uh, aid station? <laughs> well, no. I don't really bake or cook, so <laughs> the microwave. <laughs> That's awesome. No, it's great to have such such a like impactful crew members and pacers out there that kind of just mm -hmm. make everything so much easier, you know, and they know what they're doing and they can kind of help you out. It really does make a huge impact on your overall experience out there. So yes. it was yes. awesome to kind of hear you say that you had that out there on the course. Yeah. And a person who doesn't mind if I just like stop and pee every five minutes. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I did that so much. That definitely happens. Uh, we're at the point of the show, as I can't believe it's already this time, but we're into the quick question section of the show. So I'm just going to start off the first one here. Uh, if ultra running had walk-up songs like baseball, what would yours be? And while I say this, like this is going to go on our Spotify playlist. So your answer is going to be on the tunes of the nation. It's currently in the description of the YouTube video. You can find it in our Instagram uh link in there so whatever song you pick is on our spotify playlist uh whitney i'll let you go first some people may hate me some people may love me if you're my age you might love me new kids on the block the right stuff <laughs> oh i love it that is a great i don't know if caleb you might be too young for that i don't know no i know that one. <laughs> oh, okay that's yeah i mean it just makes me happy that is a great addition to the uh to the playlist it just reminds me of being 10 years old really and that, that's awesome Caleb, what about you? So do we, can we get more than one or does it have to be just one? You know, that's a great question. That's, that's really hard. Cause I have like three. <laughs> three, I feel like three is too many. Let's okay. say you can have two. Okay, two. Um, let's see. Uh, going to the country by camp, since you guys are Ohio grads, right? They're from uh, Ohio University. Was yes, yeah, no, that's a, that is okay. an awesome choice. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, let's see, Feet Don't Fail Me Now by Need to Breathe. Another solid it's, choice. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a running song. So. Well, we're going to make sure to add those to the playlist. Cam's got some homework to do tonight before we, uh, to wrap things up, so Cam will get on that for us. Uh, another quick question here. What's one thing that you guys cannot leave an aid station without? And Whitney, I'll toss it to you. Um, any sort of body glide stuff, I guess. Or Coke, the drinkable, the drinkable kind. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I immediately went to the drinkable kind. I did too, but then I thought I should clarify. You know, it's a little suspicious. Yeah. You know, you had thirty-seven shows. The only one that's ever clarified. <laughs> no, that's awesome, Caleb. Um, probably broth. That was like my big thing this time. Especially when it got cold. That's such a, like a big thing to have at races. Like anything that's warm, and that's always my go-to. Uh, one final quick question here before we kind of round things out. Now we kind of love this question just because the answers we always get are kind of awesome. So no pressure, guys. But we think you guys can handle it. Uh, if you could run with one person in the history of the world, even if they say, even if they weren't a runner and they'd be able to keep pace with you, who would it be, and why? Whitney, you can start us off. Um, well, my kids, but like in 20 years when they're older, because they're six and two, so they're slow right now. <laughs> and they also just yell, mommy, mommy. <laughs> but in 20 years, I want to run with them when they're like adults. That's great. Uh, what about you, Caleb? Uh, my dad, which I, I get to run with my dad. So it's not like a, yeah, it's, it's a cliche one, but. You know, he's definitely one that I look up to. And he got me running, so I owe it to him. 
two very heartfelt answers kind of like i don't know how we always get these answers but uh they always just are awesome and super wholehearted so we appreciate that from you guys uh we're about to round things out but before we do that uh for our listeners that want to follow you on social media maybe strava or anything else like that uh where can they find you guys and we'll start with whitney um i think my instagram is whitney d richmond I don't use it that much, but I'm I'm starting to do it more. I'm getting better. Um, and then Strava is my name, Whitney Richmond. Awesome, Caleb. So I'm trying to remember what mine is. Uh, I think it's like Coach Bowen something something like 14 or something. Uh, but yeah, Strava is just Caleb Bowen, um, and Facebook is Caleb Bowen, and Twitter I think is Coach Bowen. I think. Or You're seen, on all the might be like, yeah, I'm on all of them. Uh, TikTok, everything. TikTok. Oh, see, okay, we've been trying to get in the TikTok thing. We're trying to determine if we can convince Cam to start a Ridge Runners TikTok. And we just haven't, oh, been, you able, should. We just yeah. haven't been able to pull the trigger on it. Cam, we got to get you your first get... video. I just, <laughs> I just, I cannot commit to the dance moves. I just, I really can't, Mostly, I'm not like you. Well, yeah, I yeah. used to have my dance move of the week segment for the rundown, but no, I'm, I'm tass- tossing that the challenge. Perfect. I'm tossing the challenge to you, Cam. We'll get there. We're going to have to see where that goes. (laughs) We'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, As always, we'll put those links in the description for everyone so they can follow you guys and all of that. Uh, Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another Ridge Runners Live. My name is Wesley Harton. The other host was Cam Wrench. Our guests were the course record holders, the inaugural Rim to River 100 champions, Whitney Richmond and Caleb Bowen. While we are saying goodnight for now, we do have a special video to close out the show with, and we hope you enjoy it. Ridge Runner Nation, thank you again for tuning in to another Ridge Runners live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava Club so you can get mentioned in the Strava Rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, Version Our Nation. Oh, 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 o